It's not the main quest, just a side adventure. It's not with the whole gang, just one of them. Not the main quest, just a side adventure. Look, someone had to miss because they had some other stuff to do that day. But this is what you get. You get a one-on-one -on -one session with one of your favorite characters. At least in the top five. Maybe, well, I guess maybe the top six or seven by now, but... Back to the song. Not the main quest, just the side adventure. Sometimes you have to go off on your own. Hey everyone, this is Pedro, the GM and creator of Worldwalkers. In episode 25, the group docked in the travel city of Kosnik, and while the Worldwalkers spoke with the crew of the Falcon, Claiborne and Brummelstone decided to make different plans. As you descend uh, to the port, Claiborne kind of looks at you and she says, I, I want to take you somewhere, but we have to go now and we have to go without the group. Understood. Let me gather my things, and we will be like, on our way. Let's just go. Like you, and you have your essentials on you. So she's like, "Let's." Well, do you need it? Uh, if I if I have my essentials, I'm fine. I, I didn't. I just want to make sure I'm bringing weapons. Is really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I assume you you had all gotten ready to depart anyway, so you were just out there watching the descent. So she's like, "But yeah, I we need to go now." So, um, so can I backtrack for a second? Yeah, 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 yeah. We, this is like we just finished up with the the storm fighters. We've yep, yep. Progressed like we've spent like a week together ish. Is that right? A couple of days, yeah, travel yeah. Time, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys have definitely talked back and forth a lot. Um, you've become a lot more comfortable with her, uh, and you found that over the last couple of days, um, unless you're against the idea that. Uh, when it's time to just kind of kill time, you've been kind of hanging out with her more than some of the other people in the group, leaving them to their yeah, own devices. Think, yeah, which is yeah. why we would be watching the descent together. Yeah, yeah. And and she hasn't like opened up like it's been you guys have had a lot of fun just killing time talking. It's not like you guys have divulged each other's secrets. <laughs> it's just that you've had a lot of fun just kind of chit-chatting and hanging out and Stuff like that. I didn't know if there was like lure talk and just hanging out and that kind Not of capacity. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um <clears throat> with that, as soon as the ship kind of steadies itself and lands in the port, um, she's ready. She as soon as they uh drop the ropes and stuff, she's like, All right, let's go. I join her. All right, so <laughs> um she starts running <laughs> down makes a hasty retweet. Yeah. She starts <laughs> running down the ramp. And you think that you might hear the, uh, your companions calling for you, but she just says, no, 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 come on, come on, come on, come on. You guys run down the ramp, 
take off. You come into the kind of the the port, the the docking area, right? So before you spans a congested collection of crowds that confuse and collide with you. Lines start here and end nowhere, twisting and turning on their way to a large building which seems to be the only exit from this platform. Claiborne grabs your hand and pulls you through people as quickly as possible. Once she approaches the front of the line, she quickly dips her hand into a pouch and then gives the gatemaster a hearty handshake. The gatemaster steps aside and you quickly hustle your way into the building. You go down a side door, through a few hallways, and then you're back out into the city, free from what would have surely been an exhausting wait. Those lines look tremendous. Like, it would have taken you hours to get through all of that. And as soon as you get on either side um, and you get out of the building, Claiborne kind of steadies herself and is like... Looks around and then she looks at you and says, um, you should never wait in Cosmic if you don't have to. <laughs> and she ties up her uh, gold pouch a little tight a little more tightly. I believe that's true about any place. Where are we going so hastily? Well, part of the reason I wanted to hustle through is because I I want to show you a place, but I don't want to take everyone with us. Um and part of it is that, honestly, I don't know if your friends can afford to get through the line as fast as we could. <laughs> the uh, grandma does like to talk. And none of that would help. And I don't know. It's just, it's going to take, I, no matter where they want to go, it's going to take some time for us to go to the next place. You know, no, there's no way they're going to get like another ship or, well, we can't take a ship anyway. We have to take the jump rail. So... There's no way they're going to have a, a jump rail ready this fast. So we're just going to go explore a little bit. We'll catch up with them. That sounds fair. So she kind of looks around, darts her eyes around, and then um, she starts walking you through. Like I said, like the, the roads are very odd in that you know, you're used to a city of uh, posh and expense having maybe like cobblestone roads. This is very different. It's It's like a thick black gravel that is all kind of almost melted together and like a paved road. Like someone went and really smoothed it out. So you'd have as, as smooth a walk as possible. Like depending on um, your temperament, you may find it to be either super relaxing and very nice or an extreme waste of effort. Yeah. I think for most would as, as a simple country boy, he would find this like almost unnatural. In- <laughs> And, like, why would you do this? Like, the foot is made to feel the ground. <laughs> yeah. And, it's... like, at, at this point, it feels no better than an airship to him. You know? like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so unnatural for him to be on this ground. <laughs> if you were to really study it, you could almost see it looks like they, it looks like tons of little black rocks smoothed together. Yeah, Brumblestone would find it really unnerving. It would just be like he's used to terrain where, like, you know, almost to the point where he probably would kind of trip up on it. It's too smooth of a walk. <laughs> yeah, as you're walking, she she notices you kind of either stumbling or stalling, and she turns around and she's like, "What? What's wrong?" The magic you use to build these lands, it's it's unworldly to me. Um, where I come from on Albrevis, this is this is too smooth. This feels like uh, what do you call those airships? Yeah, it's it's so unnatural, and I would start like looking. Promos would start looking around and being like, "That seems weird. That seems <laughs> weird." And he's like, "I'm, I'm just a simple country dwarf." But tell me, <laughs> but I imagine there will be stranger things to see. But where are we going? 
uh, you'll, you'll see, you'll see. I think you're going to really like it. And she said, but um, I'll throw this at you. One thing I really like about the city is it makes nature stand out a lot more. Like I spend a I lot do. of time in here and appreciate what we can do. Then I can get away and appreciate what we can't. She just kind of, she feels, she looks kind of embarrassed uh, and shrugs and kind of starts to scuffle forward again. It's the softness of the grass makes the beauty of the hardness of the cave that much more impressive. I understand. You can see like her, her step pick up a little bit. Like she appreciates that, but she doesn't want to turn around. So she's like, (laughs) 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 and uh, yeah, she takes off um, going more and more forward through the area. Um, As you travel, what um, what catches your eye is that you're surrounded by the uncomfortable, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then the farther you walk, the more it starts to take a shape more pleasing to you. The, the shop's aesthetics change from like just like hard materials and thick glass and boring aesthetics to something a little more... Uh, a little more uh, mystical, a little more arcane. The shops start to get a little bit more flavorful in their design. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't take too long before you notice that the type of shop is changing. Where once you saw shops that were for boots and shops that were for garments of different types, now you're starting to see shops for ingredients for a potion. Or you're starting to see shops that advertise um, different uh, books on magical knowledge. <clears throat> From a sudden stops. It's just like she's like, I know, I know. We can look <laughs> at all this other stuff later, but trust me, you're gonna like where I'm taking you a lot more. Oh, what? What's this? There's magic everywhere. Is this the day of my birth? <laughs> <laughs> it has been so long since I have celebrated. <laughs> And uh, she kind of chuckles. She's like, no, no, no. Cosmic is a huge city with a lot to offer everyone. I mean, it's it's the travel hub of COG. So it's got everything for everyone. But like I said, you're really going to like this. And she is starting to walk a little faster as if the anticipation is starting to get to her too. Madame, you truly are full of surprises and delights. And just a little bit brisker walk now. <laughs> <laughs> and Rebelstone is now almost like... <laughs> Running to keep up, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like the the closer you get, the more she feels like she can run. So it doesn't take long before you're both almost like kids running through like the streets, like trying to get to your next destination. <laughs> Excuse me, pardon me. Just yeah, like yeah. running through the legs of Forge or something. <laughs> um. <laughs> so eventually, she stops in front of a um decently sized shop with a large wooden sign hanging off the side that says "The Nomad's Pasture." Is this the place? This is the place. I really think you're going to like what's in here, and I think you're going to like the person that runs the shop, too. If they're a friend of yours, if I like them as half as much as I like you, I think I'll like them plenty. <laughs> and she's just going to shuffle. Like, she's happy, but she shuffles away like, all right. All right we and uh, she holds the door open for you. Thank you. You walk in, and the first thing you notice when you walk in is the vast amount of material components available. Nearly anything you can think of is for sale here, from common dust and powders to rare feathers from exotic birds only heard about in myth. On a wall near the counter is a collection of weapons and armor that your dwarven eyes see as expertly made. 
more than that, the more you kind of study it, the more you notice the craftsmanship is wildly different between weapons, almost as if they come from entirely different techniques and styles. You're not seeing any kind of consistency in the craftsmanship. Like, they look like they are crafted by completely different people, maybe completely different regions. Uh, nothing but their level of quality ties them together. Sitting behind the counter is a cloaked individual with a hood over his face that only allows for his lower scarred chin to be seen. His cloak is thick and made of an unknown heavy cloth. It can't be too comfortable for him, but he shows no signs of it. Its blue and green hues seem to mix together subtly, shifting and traveling like slow-moving clouds across the cloak. The light sometimes catches his round, frameless glasses. So far, he's made no indication that he's noticed you. Now, will you describe it as, like, cramp or, like... No, like, that's one it's... one thing about it is that it's very well designed. It's spacious. There's enough room to shop. But okay. interestingly, there's no glass cases. You pick it up, you look at it. Nothing is like protected or removed or anything like that. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so the individual behind the counter is just uh, working a quill over a parchment, taking some notes and maybe writing something down. But um, Playborn walks around and she's like, what do you, what do you think? This is miraculous. Such quality, such craftsmanship. What? What is this place? How does it exist? I, we don't have anything like this on Ogrimos. I mean, basically, she kind of leans forward. She's like, the word on the street is that he doesn't just stay here in Cog. <gasps> and that's part of the reason I wanted to bring you here. A world walker, eh? I don't know. Like, that's what they say. They say, like, because no one knows where he gets all his stuff at. Fascinating. And at that point, this is when Promoson would kind of double check over the armor to see if he can note anything that would remind him of Obrimus or, uh, like, his home, you know, like, anything that he's seen, like... Yeah, if you study long enough, you can see a pair of gauntlets that definitely have kind of the craftsmanship of uh, the dwarves of Obrimos. Uh, definitely the gauntlets that kind of have the uh, look and feel of the hill dwarves from Meltasir, okay. which is the birthplace of the uh, forged on your world. Okay. I don't know. Are they, like, within reachable distance? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I would maybe pick these up these, mm-hmm. and would say to her, like, these look familiar. These, these come from Obrimos. Really? That's where you're from, right? That is where I'm from. Uh, what's the man's name behind the counter? He's the nomad. The nomad. So yeah, I would. I guess I would ask Claiborne. Like, is it appropriate to talk to him? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so I would say. So I would hold up the gauntlets and say, "Good day, sir." And he would look up, <clears throat> look at you two, think for a second. Good day. Day. These look to be built by the hill dwarves of But I actually remember the name <laughs> that you just told me. Right, hold on. Let me give you that line again. These look like this looks like the work of the hill dwarves of Meldazir. And you kind of have you been to Obrimos? He looks up a little bit and he says, uh just kind of nods and he says, uh you have a good eye. As do you, the hill dwarves are quite the builders they are this place this realm is fascinating have you traveled through worlds 
<laughs> he looks a bit uncomfortable at first, but uh, he's like, well, if you're the kind of individual that can identify something like this, there's no point in telling you no. Do you, so you collect them yourselves? Uh, I do, I do. Oh, interesting. How did how did you know about something like that? Uh, I do travel through worlds, though not as skillfully as you seem to here with this collection. Hmm. I come from Obimus. I stumbled upon a quest, <laughs> I guess I would say, that takes me to other worlds. Uh, I would love to know more about your world, or more that you could tell me. I would especially love to know where the next, you know, like, if you know how to travel through those paths. Well, my method of travel isn't up for discussion, but uh, I do travel from world to world and collect what I can. Uh, I deal in, obviously, magical armaments, and if there's something specific you're looking for, I, I can acquire it. I, I guess there's one thing that I look for currently, and I don't know how best to explain it, and I look over the Claiborne, and like, I guess we've been running across, on our quest across these worlds, we've been running across these beasts uh, that take, they seem to take on the the, the fear, the, the form of the fear that they of the person, the greatest fear of the person that they fight. Anything that you can do to help us defeat these. What did you say your quest is again? I, I'm not sure if I'm at liberty to say that. It would narrow down my answer. Fair enough. Uh, I don't... Well, you've walked worlds. Yeah, you probably will believe. I'm sorry I get used to talking to people who are not so easily convinced uh, that there are other worlds out there. Right, right. Cog especially uh, is a world where magic is leaving it. So I make a pretty good business here. We look to piece together the kingdom uh, of Stardust. And at that, he kind of takes a step back and he says, Stardust, you're trying to rebuild the island of Stardust? So you've been there or you know of it? Oh, I mean, I, I know a lot about it. I've never been there myself. It's... <sighs> Something that I always wish I could have made my way towards, but that was never, uh, let's say it was never within walking distance. Well, if you can help me, perhaps we can make it something that you can walk to. <laughs> well, I mean, stories I hear are that Stardust, I mean, I don't know how much you, I mean, you have to know something about it. You know that it is the home of the Dreaming Tree, which is the, uh, Connection between worlds for all dreamers. Does that yes. sound familiar to you? This sounds very familiar to me. Well, the story goes as far as I'd always heard was that one day this terrible beast living nightmares came, tore it apart, just shattered it. Now, some people say that the eternal slumber took those pieces and scattered them. But why he never put them together makes me believe that maybe that's just part of like part of people's just hope that something will come along and bring it together. There's a lot of people that believe that the Dreaming Tree, <laughs> it grants good dreams, I guess. I mean, I know the story as much as anyone else who's in the know on this kind of thing that 
uh, Dreaming Tree pretty much kept the dreaming side of things stable. If you keep your ear to the ground long enough, you hear stories about people in different worlds who are not able to sleep anymore. People who are having trouble waking up. All kinds of sleep-related issues. How much of that is true and how much of that is just legitimate problems they may have in their lives, I don't know. But uh, those stories grow more and more. I imagine as they should. Yes, we've been we've been quested to piece this together again, I guess is the best way to phrase it. In fact, Claiborne, if I may. And she's, yeah, sure, sure. She holds her gloves out and then she reaches into the palm of her right hand. And her left hand goes into her glove, it seems like, and kind of like extra dimensionally. And then she pulls out the shard. And it, like, she kind of has to keep it cupped because, as you know, uh, it, as soon as she pulls it out, it fills the room with this, like, insane brightness. So she kind of has to keep it cupped and she actually uh, holds it forward a little bit and lets a little bit of it out. And you can see the nomad to kind of breathe it in almost. And then you can see him, his mind just race. And it looks like he's he's filled with a new purpose. He's, he's kind of filled with inspiration. And he says, you have it. You have a shard of stardust. We do. She puts it away after that. He's like, you're truly on a mission to reunite the island. We are. <laughs> and he kind of looks around and he's like, I don't talk a lot about what I hear because... He never knew who's listening, but I have information if you want it. I don't know what you want to know, but the island was not shattered by the nightmares. It was shattered by the guardian of the island, and he hid all those pieces long ago. And everything that we know says that it's the kind of thing that you don't want to believe. You hope it's not true, and we're seeing more and more signs of it. But And this is the first time you hear him start saying, we. Like, he hasn't been saying we before. Okay. But he's like, we see signs of it that things are getting bad. It's getting more and more dangerous to go to certain worlds. To sleep in the wrong inn. It's getting dark. Who are these we you speak of? Uh, There's more than just me. As there is more than just me, and as we have more than just one piece of stardust, we are gathering it. We are the world walkers, and we are taking back stardust, and we are reviving hope here. Any information you can give me about how to travel worlds, uh, anything we could do to fight monsters, would be a precious gift. I mean, unfortunately, I can't talk about the way I walk. There's no way. I... I... Me and my organization, we don't share such things like that. But, I mean, if you're talking about the nightmares, I mean, they're, I mean, everything that I hear about them is they're terribly dangerous. They come in through your dreams, and you can't fight in your dreams. You, They have complete dominion over the dream world. Once they get into your dreams, that's it. You're done. They'll tear you apart. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes you hear stories about them crossing over, and when they do, they come out formless, and they're trying to find nightmares to take the shape of. But I don't know if that's true. I've never seen that or not. That's the forms we have dealt with. 
And then, I, you know, and then probably at this point he would like maybe show a scar. He's like, that's where I got that from. <laughs> He's like, so you've actually faced them. We have. Everything that I hear about them is that once they take the shape of something, especially if they've taken the shape of something that you fear, it's damn near impossible to kill them. You would say that you would become, you are you are ineffective against the fears that you have. And this is one part where maybe if you hadn't thought about it before, uh, give me an intelligence check. I can do that. I'm done. I'm smart. Uh, Twenty. Yeah. So that actually, um, if it hasn't occurred to you yet, you'd start tying this together that um, you were brought together because you're lucid dreamers. Ah, we have control, so we can keep them. Out. Right. Well, whether you can keep them out or you can at least fight them in your dreams, you're not sure okay. what you know which answer is the yeah, correct yeah, answer. Yeah. But it's starting to come together a lot more now, possibly for you that like there's a reason that you were picked. And Claiborne just looks pleased as punch. She's like, it's like she's like, I knew you'd like it here. Well, if you can't tell me the way you would walk across worlds, is there anything you can share, even if it's cryptic and vague and requires some <laughs> figuring out? <laughs> Well, I mean, how have you been walking world so far? Uh, we've passed through tunnels. And he kind of just nods and he says, so you know about the tunnels then? Yes. Locations, though, unknown. How did you find him? Uh, you know, good luck. We have someone from the dream world with us, and I believe he's guiding us, even if he doesn't realize quite where he's going. I think he's providing us answers that maybe even he has forgotten. Really? Do you mind if I ask if you could describe him? Sure. Uh, I would describe Tompkins. I would maybe not say his name. Sure, sure. But what would you say about him? Uh, Halfling. Architect. Yeah. Fun, fun loving. <laughs> he's a little like, forgetful. I don't know the individual, but it makes sense. That it's a halfling. What? Why is, why is that? Because they say that halflings walk between worlds themselves. Halflings are the ones that discovered the tunnels. So if I were you, I'd keep him pretty close. Whoops. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say that out loud. That's me just going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and Claiborne's like, who? Who? I don't, I don't. I haven't met this guy yet. Is You'll meet him soon enough. He's, he's on his way. Oh, okay. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I take it that your organization is scattered across worlds. I'll tell you what. Um, you ever need something, ask for the Nomad. Doesn't matter what world you're on. That sounds excellent. And then he thinks about it for a second. And he's like, in fact. And he weighs it. And he's like, you got something important going on. Here you go. And he pulls out a small business card, and it's blue on one side and green on the other. And if you keep staring at it, the blues and the greens will shift back and forth and kind of mix in kind of almost like a liquidy, glittery kind of fashion. And uh, he hands it to you. He says, drop this card where you need to. Basically, what you do is you tear it up and uh, kind of lets us know that you're ready to do business. I can't guarantee you that anyone that answers that card is going to be helpful most likely they're going to want to just talk shop with you in terms of trying to sell you something. But you never know. 
Um, speaking of selling, is anything I can purchase? I've described to my best ability that which which we are fighting. Anything that you can think that would give me lend me aid in this battle? He says, "Well, I mean, the only thing I have is one of these." And he um, goes underneath the counter. You can hear him shuffling through some stuff, and then he pulls out a necklace that looks just like Claiborne's. Now, is he offering it, or no. is he like, no. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah? That's what I kind of figured. Was yeah. I'll give you a good deal on it, but what do you want for it? Uh, Five hundred gold is a pretty good price for it. It is, but I unfortunately am not. Uh, the quest doesn't quite pay in money, at least not yet. So I may have to return. <laughs> and then uh, Claiborne kind of darts back and forth, looks around, and then she quickly like ties off one of the pouches around her and drops it on the counter. And she says, that's a lot cheaper than what I paid for it. And he says, all right, thank you very much. He takes the pouch, and he's, you see him just, like, toss it under the uh, counter, and you never hear it hit anything. <laughs> I love it. And so then, many uh, bags of holes. <laughs> so time. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, he slides the necklace over to you, and Claiborne picks it up, and then she hands it to you. Thank you. So, yeah, you um, snap it around your neck, I assume? Yeah, just at least for now. Tuck it in under my cloak. And the moment you do, you feel your mind a little more at ease. On a side note, unrelated to my current quest, where I come from, there is a plague that has erased my town. We've learned a bit from it, and I might even pull out journals and show him, like, passages, the passages I've read and, like, that I understood, at least. He's like, I need, like, an elixir that could fight this, is what I'm looking for. He says, you know, if there's anything like that, if there's an answer for you out there, I'm surprised you didn't go to the city-state of Tremessa. Uh, Tremessa. We were there. <laughs> Did you go through their library? I mean, their library is rather extensive, and if there's answers, they're there. I don't have any for you. Well, thank you, at least, for considering it. As he finishes that up, you uh, the door opens, and a few individuals walk in. Um, they all are kind of dressed kind of similar. They all have um, kind of foresty green cloaks. They look like they're part of a group maybe maybe they're adventurers themselves um they have different clothing styles and different weapons and stuff like that but for the most part they look pretty relaxed and they're just looking around picking at things looking at things i guess with the passive perception of 16 you would notice the weird thing is that they all seem to have something literally up their sleeve maybe it's kind of dagger shaped the only other thing you would notice with that perception is that um, their weapons are not necessarily in a place they can easily grab them. Like, they've got, like, a sword over their shoulder, but it's not hanging right. They've got, like, one of them has, like, a quiver, but it's not hanging in a way they could reach easily. Like, it's kind of, like, lazily hanging off of them. I would I would gander maybe over, so I would explain that we have a forge, you know. My brother is a forge, and he uses these weapons. And my other, you know, my other friend is uh, is a human rogue, and she uses these types of weapons. Well, I'll tell you one thing I really like, and he points to this uh, couple daggers. It's like a set of three daggers, right? And he says, um, these are pretty rare. These are daggers of returning. 
Sounds like it might be right up your rogue's alley. Yeah. You throw these, they're powerful, but the best part is is they come back. And when they come back, they tend to leave a wound behind. And one of those individuals walks up and says, well, those sound like amazing. And he picks up the three and just starts looking at them. Well, if nothing else, maybe I've gotten you another cell. <laughs> and then you watch as the guy with the daggers takes off running. And everyone else that came in with him, they take off running. And Claiborne looks startled, and she looks at you. Wait, that's not, that's not fair. Like, charge afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those so, are my, that's, those are Vasa's daggers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so you charge out the door after him, and um, they look at each other, and they're getting ready to split up. Uh, so, two of them go left, two of them go right. Claiborne looks at you. Stick with or split up. They're getting away faster and faster. Oh, we never... (laughs) Faster. Stick together. Left. So you dart after them, and then they make a couple couple quick turns down an alley, and then find themselves in the dead end. And you've got them in the dead end. They turn around, and they're like, what? What do you want? We just want the daggers you stole. You don't want to mess with us. And Claiborne's eyebrow kind of raises on that, but it doesn't stop her from pulling her short bow out. No, no, you don't seem to understand. You are the ones in fault here. You will pay for those, or we will bring you back. We will let the Nomad decide how you pay for those things. You look. Uh, they look at each other, and then they kind of like nod. At just if you didn't have your perception as high as you did, you wouldn't notice. But they nod, and they both run. And then they kind of like run up the wall a little bit and then crisscross off of each other. They both land next to you. Um, it took their full actions to, to do that. But Claiborne's now too close to get a clean shot off. And she basically like, yeah, she kind of drops her bow, pulls her scimitar out, takes a half step back, spins it a few times, and then just lands three slashes across him. And he looks like he's almost down already. Your turn. Um, I will target the same one. You know what, I'm going to do Magic Missile at second level. As I cast it, you know, as I throw the orb in the fourth, that shake, I would look at the other one. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> one that's not hit. Uh, <laughs> and just be like, you should stop now. <laughs> so yeah, those Magic Missiles fly out, pound into him. Um, he looks like he's barely able to hold himself up. And uh, he's like, told you, mage. He also has a scimitar. He makes two attacks on you. And he misses both of them. Yeah, so like you dodge both. Uh, and even you're kind of surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I try to hide it. Just looking <laughs> but his, his friend follows up and lands an attack. And then as soon as he lands that attack, the one behind you, the one that missed twice, steps forward and deals an additional four damage immediately. Like as soon as his friend gets an opening, he gets a free hit on you. Claiborne's turn. And she looks pissed now she lands all four hits on him I feel like she cuts him and then makes sure he stays down basically she uses all of her attacks on that one and drops him and then she looks up at you to make sure you're okay I give her a nod and a wink last chance to reconsider to the one still standing he's reaching behind his back for something um, so I'm going to cast my new spell that I haven't got to use which is shatter so yeah um I pick up the orb, 
Look at him, he goes, you know, like, you got lucky with your friend still here. That was your last hit. Slam it down, and, it, and uh, you know, it opens up as it shatters into a world of uh, a plane of painful, ringing noise that just, nice. <laughs> you know, and I use my power to shield Playboy yeah. from it. So you watch his cracks race race up and down the building next to you as well. So like it's it, his epicenter, and there's just cracks that erupt all around him. Um, and you watch as he kind of gets shredded up a little bit. Stand down. He is going to disengage, and then he kind of jumps up on a box and then pulls himself up on the roof, and he's almost gone. Jump to Claiborne. She lands a couple arrows on him. Uh, yeah. And you watch them kind of pierce both his shoulder and his lower back, and he's, he's trying to hold on. It's your turn. So I'll cast regular magic missile at him. So you watch the magic missiles fly out of your orb, slam into him, and he loses his grip and falls um, back first. You hear like his back kind of crack a little bit, and he's trying to get up uh, on his turn. He does get up, and then he turns to you, and he quickly throws... Uh, two daggers you didn't know he had. One of them hits for uh, nine damage. He throws it off a wall and it bounces off the wall and then catches you on your shoulder blade. And then as soon as it um, comes out of you... This is the one that leaves a hole. Four more damage as it, it rips itself out of your shoulder and then disappears and reappears in his hand. Dick. Uh, oh, Vasa. Yeah, at that, at that point, he would just be like, Vasa would love this. <laughs> Vasa actually might love him. Are you Vasa? <laughs> After seeing that, Claiborne gets her uh, bow lined up appropriately and one shot to the throat and he collapses. <laughs> and then... Uh, <laughs> She reaches into her pouch, immediately pulls out a small crystal. It's kind of a cloudy white. If you had a chance to study it, you'd see it's almost pearly moving around through the crystal. She walks up and slams it into your chest, and it shatters immediately, and the little it kind of falls into small little shards of glass. You are completely healed of all hit points. Nice. <laughs> like, without hesitation, God, she just, just grabs this and slams it into your chest. You have no <laughs> idea. Like... <laughs> You know, um, obviously, there's other emotions that you might be feeling right now, but part your your um, <laughs> your dwarven um, background mixed with your arcade knowledge is like, how much money did she just smack me in the chest with? <laughs> because, like I said, it, it was a full heal. Jeez. He's like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And she kind of like steadies you up a little bit. She's like, are you okay? <laughs> Ma'am, I was not worth that. Thank you kind of takes a step back and she's like well I mean are you are you okay I'm fine thanks to you <laughs> and she walks over there and angrily steps on the body of the individual and pulls three uh, fantastic looking daggers off his body nice <laughs> uh... and then as soon as she picks him up and looks at him she's like we should take and then they they disappear they return to uh Nice. Uh, what should we do with the bodies? I I would search them. <laughs> and she's like, we, yeah, go ahead with we'll search them real quick. Um, you go through them, you find like a hundred and thirty-five gold on one, and then you find like two hundred and thirty on several different pouches, along with two gems. And like when she looks through the gold, she's like, oh no, what is it? Well, I mean, 
they're obviously a part of something big if they walk around with this much money. They weren't adventurers. They didn't wear their gear right. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's uh, part of the reason we gave chase. (laughs) I don't like this, but I guess we should go back to the Nomad and let them know that stuff disappeared. Yeah, that sounds about right. Now, how out of game question. How how inconsiderate is it to take someone's cloak like this? <laughs> in front of Claiborne, she don't give a shit. <laughs> okay, yeah. Like, yeah, like <laughs> part of it is just like, well, we may need to infiltrate these guys later. Yeah, yeah. So might as well, you know. So but Claiborne's like, we have to hurry before the Brotherhood finds us. Uh yeah, so I would so I'd snatch a I would probably snatch both the cloaks, stuff them yep. in my backpack, give one last uh, kick to the last guy and told you told you. <laughs> <laughs> um and then she takes the bodies and she basically throws them in uh some large metal container full of trash. Yeah, I love this woman. It's just <laughs> And yeah, like, you know, cuz like she was uh kind of shy and a little um pensive earlier. And then she was running like a kid through the streets, and now she's quickly disposing yeah. of bodies. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she's like, all right, all right, um, we need to get out of this area. So I think we should go back to the Nomad. I think we should let them know that the stuff's gone, but we have, we, we cannot risk the Brotherhood of Iron finding us. We quickly walk, but casual. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't have a – she's not selling it right. <laughs> if, yeah. if you're worried, you might want to talk to her. She's like <laughs> – uh, you know, Bremelstone with a charisma of 11 uh, yeah. probably is not selling it right either. Lovely day for a not murder. But yeah, you, you shuffle through and you get back to the shop and you see the Nomad is, from, is uh, in front of the counter now and he's wiping uh, down a set of daggers. He looks up and he says, "Oh, yeah, it's. Im- I mean, I appreciate the effort, guys, but uh, it's it's impossible to steal from this shop. And the the other things they took too, like there should be some missing spots because like no one shopped here while you were here, right? Uh, yeah, there's yeah. not a missing slot <laughs> in the inventory. <laughs> but he he takes the daggers, cleans them off, and he's like, "You said these are for a friend. Yes. Bundles them up and tosses them to you. Aww. And he's like, "You guys are gonna need it." You're not kidding. Thank you for your help. And one day, you'll see Stardust. You have my word. And uh, he gives you a nod and he goes, come here. Give me that card back. Okay. Uh, You take it back and he gives you one that looks just like it. You're not sure what the hell he just did, but he's like, use this one next time. No, thank you. Can you at least point me maybe in the directions of the caves? I don't. I don't walk the uh, the rounds. Understood. Thank you for your help. Which is the first time I think you might have heard that phrase, the rounds. As he walks towards the counter, you see him um, get close to the counter, and then with your perception again being so high, you see there's like a slight shimmer when he hops the counter, like almost like he passed through something on his way over the counter. Would I recognize that shimmer, or is just? No, it's just like the the air itself seemed to kind of shimmer as if he walked through something. Badass magic, man. 
and it you know and i play it cool like out and after we get out into the street i'm like oh my god that place was amazing and she's like isn't it i knew you would like it, <laughs> it like the best oh no. but we probably should move should right, right 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 sometimes you have to go off on your own Thanks for listening to part one of Brummelstone's Day Off. This episode and the podcast as a whole is made possible in large part because of you, the patrons, so I wanted to take a moment and thank you for your support. I also wanted to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music you heard today, and I want to thank Sirenscape for the music and sound effects you heard as well. You can find Sirenscape at Sirenscape.com.